I'm so glad you're here. So, so I'm going to get at this, but I want to talk to you outside of my, my notes. Now you're like, oh, no. Don't, don't. Like, I, I, we're going to get to this, and, and, and I, there, there's something in my brain that I want to share with you. Now, all of us know that it's good wisdom to think before you speak, right? So I just want you to know that I've thought before I speak, but, but it just... I have to share it with you. I want to share it with you. I, I want you to know that, that I love you very much. And I'm not saying that because I've got a bunch of offensive stuff to say. Now, there probably will be offensive stuff to say, but, but they're not connected. Uh, I have found, if you're anything like me at all, that there are days that you wonder if anyone sees you. And you, maybe specifically, you wonder if God is aware that he made you. And you're like, you, you know I'm still here, right? And when we gather like this, when we gather, and we have people gathered all over online, RCMU, East and West, you need to know that there's a bunch of people gathering, hoping that someone knows they exist. Hoping that maybe it's God, maybe it's a person. And I want you to know that that it is one of my greatest pleasures in life to be able to be pastor here. And I want you to know that it's the heart of our church that you would know that you're loved. So if, you, if, it, if that's you, if, if, if this is in my brain just for me, but I think it's for many of us, I want you to know that we love you very much. We have an incredible staff that gets to invest in, in hundreds if not thousands of people's lives. But I wanted you to know that that even though you and I may not like know each other and hang out a bunch, I want you to know that I love you and it is a privilege of mine to get to talk to you about what God, I believe, wants us to hear. Now we have been though in a series where you may wonder, does David actually care about us anymore? Uh, and and, and if, you're, if you're brand new, you may be like, like, what have you been saying, man? And, and so here's, here's what's going on. I think our world can be better. I really believe that, that not just globally, but I believe that our region can be better. I believe that God, what he sees about the potential of where we're at and the, and the families that we're in and the relationships we have and, and the businesses that we run and the schools that we're at, I believe God says that can be better. And so we've been having uh, conversations around that. Like what, what would it take to make this place more like what God wants it to be. Like what would it involve? And so that's why I said we've had some conversations that uh, you may not have fully enjoyed, were painful, but good. Now, if you're brand new, let me bring you completely up to speed because here's, here's a few things that we opened up out of the Bible. I didn't make them up, but out of the Bible of what we believe the world is in need of. I'll, I'll show you the list of the three. This is what we've talked about. Let me show it to you. Less is more. Where... We as a religious world need to look at less is more. And some of you, you've been cutting back like crazy. Where you've been like, you know what, we don't need that. And we're trimming this and that and cutting back there. And less is more. In fact, if we just, if we just as a basic principle in life were to live this way, I think things would get better. Then we did talk about giving. Yeah, we talked about it. And, and I think you would agree that the world needs more generous people. In fact, specifically... The world needs the church to care about those who aren't in the church. You would agree with that too. And we need to be generous. And I think if, if we not only cut back, but invested, it would get better. And then we obviously dealt with 
What about the stuff that keeps me away, like the stress? So stress is bad. We talked about the bills, the, the income stuff, the what we owe and what we own and all that kind of stuff like that, how that brings some stress. So yes, it has been a financial series. If you're concerned about that right now, let me set you at ease. It's now time to wrap it up in a bow. It's now time that you and I don't just look at what we own, what we spend, how, what we've got, our houses, our cars, our debt, and all that. No, no, no. Now we look forward. So here's how I want you to look forward. Here's the last statement. I think you'll agree with it. Tomorrow matters. Tomorrow matters. I know we've talked about all of the nuts and bolts, but tomorrow matters. I think if you and I were to live this, things would start to look more like what God knows it could look like. Tomorrow matters. I think you agree with this. So let me take it one step further. Tomorrow matters. So today has responsibilities. Tomorrow is critical. It's important. I think you've got that. So today has responsibilities. Today has things that we need to do that need to get done so tomorrow can be what it's supposed to be. I'm having this conversation <clears throat> with my teenage son. If you've never had a conversation as in a long-term conversation with a teenager, tomorrow is irrelevant to them. It's all about not even one hour from now, right now. It's, it's, it's now. It's what's happening right now. No, no, no. Let me tell you about my oldest son, Hayden. He's 13 years old, and since the day he was born, I think, he's always loved automobiles, like planes, anything, anything that has any kind of speed, he's like, that's cool. That's, he always has loved it. About every birthday he's ever wanted, it had to relate to somehow vehicles of some sort. He's always enjoyed, in fact, he could tell you all different kinds, he just gets it. He gets what vehicles are and all that, loves engines and all that. He, I love him for that. And so he's 13. Now for some crazy reason, South Dakota decided that children driving is a great idea. <laughs> now, I know all about the farming and all, but I just, you have, if you imagine 14-year-olds behind a vehicle, can you just picture that? That big pieces of metal going fast, weapons, and it's, so, so we tried to hide this from our children. <clears throat> we grew up in, I grew up in Kansas and Indiana, and you're like, you don't drive till you're 16. And, and, and so he found out. Uh, and if, if, if I find out who helped him learn this. <clears throat> so, so he found out, and so you know, you know where this is going. So he's been dreaming about his car. What car it's going to be, and he's pretty confident it's going to be 14. I clarified that with him. No, no, <clears throat> it's going to be 16. And, and so I was like, well, what car do you want? He's like, that's easy, Lamborghini. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, you, you know I'm your dad, right? Like, they, like and, and now, now part of me is like, I, I personally would love for you to own a Lamborghini, and I would, I would borrow your vehicle, kind of, and, and explain to him, like, Lamborghini's a great idea, I don't want to crush his dreams, come on, right? If you're a parent, you get this, you don't want to crush dreams, you're like, dream big, right? If you, if you can get a Lamborghini by 14, uh, that's awesome, and so we explained that the, how much they cost, and, and even in South Dakota, 
uh, they're not that practical. Uh, it, it doesn't work well. And so he, he's grown up a little bit. And like The Lamborghini, it's a future dream, but what's your first car going to be? So he's been thinking, and he's locked on to some, I would say, more realistic goals. And so now I'm having the parenting conversation with him. How are you going to get it, right? Now, now I'm, I'm about to say something that some of you will misinterpret. I don't want you to misinterpret, so let's, let me give you some clarity. The, the system that we have in our family is not... I'm not saying it's a blanket in the Bible system that you have to adopt. And if you do something different, I'm not saying you're bad, okay? Or we can have that mature conversation. So what we've decided in our home is, is we're not going to give a vehicle to them. I'm going to match whatever they save. And so conversation with them, like, hey, whatever Lamborghini costs, if you get half of it, somehow dad's going to come up with the other half. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I'm like, I'll, I'll match half of it. You, but you, I mean, 16's a coming. Got three years. And I'm a goal-oriented. Let's talk about it. So you got three years, and, and you're wanting to save up for some vehicles. And so he's kind of locked onto something. He thinks he knows the price range. Like, I'll match half of that. And so he, he shovels, and he, and he mows grass, and he has, you know, well, birthdays and Christmas and all that. And his problem, we bank account and everything. Problem is, when, when his bank account gets all the way up to about 100 bucks, something tips over in his brain to where at $100, everything on every shelf sounds wonderful and amazing. And, and he'll come home with something. And I'm like, what? Dude, I, th I, thought we, I thought we talked about this. And I've learned, he's like, I know, I know. I'm going to start saving now. I'm like, but you, it doesn't, you got you to keep it. You got to keep it <clears throat> saving. And, and, and so these, I had these conversations like, so, so let me sit down. But I need to talk to you about a conversation you're going to try to have with me when you're 16. And I saw him, he's like, how do you know what I'm going to say to you when you're 16? So I said, so here's the danger. If you keep, if you keep spending all of your money, can I, let me just tell you what happens when you're 16. He's like, tell me. I said, you're going to go to school one day, and, and, and then all of a sudden, one of your friends is going to show up with an amazing vehicle. And you're going to learn that their parents gave him that vehicle, which I'm not saying is bad, okay? And, and you're going to be like, that's amazing. And I'm going to be like, I agree with you. That's amazing. And then he's going to have a conversation with me. Dad, will you give me a, a vehicle? And I'll be like, no. <laughs> and I won't even feel bad about it. And you know what he's going to immediately say. You already know it. You already know. He's going to look at me and be like, but Dad, that's not fair. And so I'm telling Hayden, dude, this is going to play out this way, and you're going to be mad at me, and I'm not going to even feel bad about you. I'm just going to be like, I, you're right. It's not fair. Deal with it. And it will seem like it's not a very sympathetic or empathetic conversation. Some of you have had these conversations. And what I'm trying to prep him for, you, you want that vehicle tomorrow? Then, then there's some stuff to do today to prep for that. And I would say, this has become not just a conversation I'm having with my teenage son. This has become a conversation that, that our culture needs to have. See, when it comes to fairness, when it comes to life giving us what we feel like we deserve, we can make catastrophic decisions. Now, let me, let me show you something about fairness um, that you're going to have to just deal with. Uh, we usually only care about fairness when we're on the losing end. See, 
we don't just all of a sudden, when, when everything is going like our way unfairly, pipe up. Like I've never looked at Katie as we pass by one of you getting a ticket on the side of the road because you were speeding. I've never looked at Katie and be like, you know what, let's pull over. Because last week I was speeding in the same place and that is not fair that they have to get a ticket and I didn't get a ticket. So honey, we're just gonna pull over and we're gonna wait for him to get done with, that, with one of you and then, and then we're gonna have a conversation like, sir, I was speeding, right? You didn't catch me last time, but, but I was speeding. No one does that. And in fact, if you do that, the officer will pull his gun and, and they'll be like, what are you talking to? It's gonna get weird. And, and just because you and I, when we only care about fairness, when you're losing, you and I, I think about when, if you ever played sports and, and the call, <clears throat> well, you didn't get called for what you should have been called for and someone else got called for something they didn't actually do. You didn't say, hey, stop the game, right? We, we need to fix this. Just give them the ball. It's just, that's because fairness, fairness is something that you only care about. And I know some of you are going to push back on this. Fairness is something that we, we only care about when we're taking losses on it. When we're saying, I don't like this. So I'm gonna track with you and I hope you track with me. Because regarding fairness, let me show you something. Life not being fair has become an excuse for many of us. See, remember, tomorrow matters. Tomorrow matters. And I, I know you like, yeah, 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 tomorrow matters. The problem is fairness, the whole conversation about fairness is jeopardizing tomorrow. In fact, let me take you really to the heart of it. Life not being fair has become an excuse for irresponsibility. See, this is where I'm going to walk into some dangerous territory. See, if you watch enough, if you pay attention enough, there's a lot of unfair going on in our world, even in our nation, where you could, you could justifiably say, that's not fair. And you're right. The problem is life not being fair has led to many of us not owning today's responsibility and we've become irresponsible. And it, it's not in my notes, but I, it's one thing to walk streets and to pick it and to boycott. It's another thing to become a foster parent and adopt and to be generous. See, I'm not saying that picketing and boycotting and walking streets and saying this should be changed, I'm not saying that's wrong. It's wrong if you're not doing anything in your own life about it. And we are dangerously walking. See, some of us think a, a, a president is our, our problem or our good thing. Some of us think it's a government is a good thing or a bad thing. I'm telling you, there is a, a more dangerous thread being woven through our culture. And it's this idea that life must be fair. And that's what we will not fight for, but we will talk about. This is perhaps one of the most relevant conversations we've had lately. Because fairness, listen... Fairness is jeopardizing the next generation. Our infatuation with fair is causing many of us to pause our lives. Now, this is not a new 
problem. And in fact, if you've thought I've been offensive through this series, let me introduce you to Ben Franklin. He said something. He that is good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. See, that's what many of us are doing. We we come up with excuses because life isn't fair. And there's a whole crew of us who aren't engaged in life because life's not fair, so we have excuses. So so today has become a, I'm going to declare how unfair life is. I'm going to declare how everyone deserves the same stuff. And, And all of a sudden, we're not doing anything anymore. We're just talking. We're posting. We're complaining. And here's the danger. We neglect tomorrow because today isn't fair tomorrow matters so today has responsibilities I'm trying to coach this into my teenage son right you get it you get it I want I want all of us to get it tomorrow matters not just for the next generation but for the world for the now, for the future. Tomorrow matters. Tomorrow needs certain things in place. And if we're just gonna whine instead of do something, do you see the catastrophic danger that is in front of us? For those who are consumed with politics, I beg of you to get consumed with culture, to get consumed with what God needs to do in our world and what God needs to do is through you. So Jesus told a story to help us get this. See, if you've been like, hey, that's not fair, or if you have these excuses of why you aren't doing certain things, and you're like, it's just not fair, it's not fair, then you and I need to have this conversation about Jesus' story. Jesus told a story. I'm going to emphasize it's a story. It's not a true historical moment. Jesus telling it's true and historical, but the story he made up. So when Jesus tells a story that he's making up, every word matters. So let me show you the story that Jesus told. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, if I could figure out, I don't know how to do this, but if I could figure out how to get you to lock onto the word entrusted through the whole story, I would. Entrusted is important. If you could, maybe you need to write it down, text it, whatever, but get entrusted, entrusted. This master, this, this man, called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Uh, to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another one, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. See, this already messes with some of us. Like, that's not fair. Why did he not give them all each five bags of gold? Because he didn't have to. See, Jesus is already messing with your worldview. Some of us think the world should be fair. You need to know that God who made the world would say, uh-uh. See, you and I get consumed by stuff here. Some of you try to be fair with all of your kids on all the presents and it stresses you out. And and sometimes at work, everything's got to be fair. In school, everything's got to be fair. You need to know if your life pursuit is for all of life to be fair, you've missed what God thinks the world should look like. So hopefully you're already like, I hate this story. It's good. (laughs) Let's keep going. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. You're like, 
Smart dude. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, before we move on, don't answer out loud. Do not nudge. Do not hit. I'm curious, which one do you identify with the most? Because some of us are like, oh, I would have gone and invested it or, or started my own business or would have done some cool stuff. And you're like, no, I would have dug a hole, buried it, and stood out there with a shotgun just, just waiting. I, don't, I want you to figure out who you are, who you've been at least. Because this story is for you. It's for me too. So as you begin to press in, like, what have you been doing? Let's keep, let's keep going. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. All right. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me. Ooh, there it is again. Entrusted. You see, Jesus is teaching his story, and he wants you and I to get that he's entrusted you with something. Entrusted. He's, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. I'm the man. I just added that in, okay? So he's like, uh, I, I, I did good. So the story keeps going. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. He's like, I like this. This is working out for me. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, catch on. You have been faithful with a few things. You're seeing some keywords. Entrusted. You've been faithful with a few things. That sounds awesome. Well, the story keeps going. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. I'm awesome as well. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, hmm, that's what he said to the last guy. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Wait a minute. Now we have a problem. Now, I know some of us did not do well in math. I did not. Yeah, okay. One guy had five bags of gold, and the master said, well done with a few things. Now we got a guy with two bags of gold, and he says the same thing. You've done well with a few things. Now, many of us did not do well with story problems. We're like, this was horrible for me, David. You're bringing up all these bad memories, and I don't know what to do with this, and you're really stressing me out. I just want you to catch, he's entrusted them, and his response to their faithfulness was, you've done well with a few things. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Here is a problem. See, what we just learned was a lesson, but you may have missed it. Jesus is teaching a story about what you've got and what I've got. And he says, well done. You've been good with a few things. What it's telling you is, is what we value. See, I would say we put value on what we have and what we don't have. When you think about in life, what we've been talking about through this series is what you have and what you don't have. We think about that as what stresses us out or that's what doesn't stress you out. That's what makes you feel good about life is when you have a certain uh, balance, 
When you own certain vehicles, certain houses, when you have certain retirement, when the job is a certain thing, and we begin to think about what we have and what we don't have. And in fact, if I said right now, I've got everything you need for the rest of your life, most of us would be, I have no more stress. It's all gone. But that is not what God wants us to catch in this. See, God puts value on what we do and don't do. If you missed it, I tried to be crystal clear about this. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. See, you and I be like, wait a minute, no, no, one of them has 10 bags of gold now, and one of them has four bags of gold, and we get into con- consumed by it, what we have and what we don't have, and God's not consumed by it. You need to know God is not as concerned with what you have as you are. <laughs> Many of us are consumed by it. You know what, he, you know what he, he's focused on? What you're doing with what you've got. And many of us are so focused on what we've got, we're doing nothing. Watch Matthew 16. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. Jesus is coming back. I don't know when. If anyone ever tells you when, they don't know what they're talking about. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according (laughs) to what they have done. You're like, I don't like that. Because I, this, you got to be mature about this conversation. We're not talking about heaven or hell right now. We're not talking about does God just select certain people that he likes and they get to go to heaven? Is, is going to heaven all about what you do? No, he's not talking about that. He's pressing in and looking at what you've done. You need to know it matters what you've done. There is grace and mercy. For those of you who are freaking out right now, you're like, oh, no, i got to earn my way into heaven. No, you don't. But that does not diminish the fact that God looks at what you've done. So you may be asking a very mature question. Um, What exactly are we supposed to do? Let me show you. There's three categories of things God's given you. These are the three categories. When you're looking at tomorrow matters, so today has responsibilities, what do you have responsibilities about? One is your time. Now, Hopefully you're queuing in the fact that life is not fair. Different people get different amounts of time. I don't want to bring you into a depressing conversation, but you would admit that different people get different amount of time. And some would say too short of time. I'm 38 years old. And in the past two years, two of my high school classmates have passed away. One overdosed. One killed himself. What you do with your time, you all would agree, we all would agree, is either good or bad. And some of us get a lot of time. Some of us don't get very much time. And you must understand, it's not fair. And you can get caught up and it's not fair or do something about it. Uh, Ability? Oh, this ticks me off. You ever have those people in your life that just seem to be able to, like, do everything? I mean, I, I remember growing up, and, and, and there were different guys like, hey, I've never played this sport. I'm just going to figure it out. And they become amazing. So you, you kick them in the knee and break their knee and be like, now you're not amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you, 
Do you ever have these people like around that, that are, they're just amazing at whatever they do. They just get it and they get it fast and it's like no effort. They just have like this ability, whether it's smart. I had friends who, who like studied for five minutes before tests and they would ace them. I would study for a month. Well, maybe not, I'm exaggerating, but I would study and I would like, C, let's get a C, let's go for a C. Tell me I got a C. Ability is not equal. Some people have five bags worth of ability and some have one. And it's not fair. Resources? Oh, shoot. <laughs> Some people just have the ability, it seems, to make money, and it just is there. Some people are born into a life where they never even have to concern themselves, worry about how to pay anything. It's just it's all there. And then there's some who work multiple jobs all week long and barely make it. And it's not fair. You've got to get over life not being fair. But if you turn the news on, if you have enough conversations, we are infatuated with life being fair. Tomorrow matters, so today has responsibilities. Now, to show you, the story's not over. Jesus didn't say, hey, great job. No, here's, watch this. This gets a little ugly. Uh, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. If that's confusing, he's saying, I know that you're a hard businessman. You're a good businessman. You make money like crazy. You are incredibly good at this. I, it's you just make tons of money. You're brilliant. So he says this. <laughs> so I was afraid. So I was afraid and, and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, Here's what belongs to you. You catch that? He's already offering excuses. And many of us are doing the same thing. We spend our days offering excuses, if not to other people, just in our heads. If I had, if this had played out differently, if I had had, my, my parents had stayed together, if I had gotten that job, if, and we begin to have these excuses of why we're not doing anything, and it's because people have done you wrong, or you've been dealt a bad hand, and you've used the bad hand as an excuse, just like this guy. It's like, hey, I've, I put it in a hole. And unfortunately, many of us have taken our time and our abilities and our resources, and we put it in a hole. So... Like I said, it gets ugly. Uh, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. See, this could hurt your feelings. Because Jesus is not just talking in story form. He's pressing into your life and my life. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, with what God's given you? He just said this about you and I. And that hurts. 
So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You know I'm a good businessman? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Like you should have done something, but you didn't. So the story keeps going. So take the bag of gold from them and give it to the one who has 10 bags. That's not fair either. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, you keep hooking that guy up. It's not fair. Get over it. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags, for whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And then extreme punishment happened. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I know that in a group our size, not everyone agrees with my interpretation of that story. I know that maybe you didn't land where I landed on how I understand it, but I think we can all land on a very basic yet profound truth. What we do with what we have matters to God. And if you missed it, let's have a refresher. Remember what the master said? Let me show it to you. To two of them, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. The other, you wicked, lazy servant. This is getting into a, a very deep conversation. Let me share it with you. See, there's two types of sin. You're like, oh no, I didn't know that. There's two types of sin. One is the sin of commission. It's, it's the bad stuff that we do. You're like, mm, I knew about that. You might be worried that I know about it. I don't. But it's the stuff that you and I do that's sinful. It goes against what God wants. We don't need to spend a lot of time here. It's pretty easy to find out. That's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is the sin of omission. It's the good stuff that we don't do. And yes, it's a sin. The Bible's clear if you don't do what you're supposed to do, if you don't, that's a sin. And I have conversations with folks, I think it's based on movies, but I have, have conversations with folks, they, they talk about when they're gonna meet God, and, and they talk about it this way, like they're imagining sitting with God, you know, two lazy boys, and, and, and you're in one and he's in another, and there's a movie of your life, and, and what they're afraid of, and what they kind of freak out about, and they talk to me about it, they're like, you know, like, is everything going to be on that movie? And can I distract God at certain moments when that plays? And I tell them what they need to be more concerned about. It's actually what I think God's more concerned about. It's what never made the movie. It's the decisions that you didn't make because you were afraid or it didn't make sense. It's the moments that God said, I want you to do this. And you're like, that doesn't make sense, so it must not be God. See, what I think is we're involved in a culture now that is more guilty of doing nothing. 
We will march down streets. We will picket. We will boycott. We will make posts. We will talk all day long about the way life should be. But there's a smaller number doing anything about it. We must, we must be the folks that don't just talk about stuff, but do it. You really want me to mess with you? Okay, thanks. If you're pro-life, what are you doing about it? Are you fostering or are you adopting? Are you becoming an advocate? If you think people should have health care, are you involved both locally and globally at meeting people's needs? You see the difference in having political stances and opinions but not having the behavior that matches up with it. And many of us can get beyond being offended by it and having our feelings hurt by it, and we can say, I want the world to be different, and I'm going to do something about it. Now, I know some of us are like, well, I am a part of it. David, I'm a part of a great church called Fountain Springs Church. I am too. And they're like, I'm a part of a church that, that fixes people's cars. Single parents, gets involved in the lives of single parents and does things for them. I'm a part of a church that goes into schools and helps fix stuff and, and takes care of things and does awesome stuff. I'm, I'm a part of a church that serves meals at the rescue mission. Yes. My question is, you're a part of it. Or are you just claiming to be a part of it? Let me tell you about that conversation with God. God won't ask what your church did. He'll ask what you did with the church. It's not going to be a conversation where you're with God and he's like, hey, tell me about your church. I'm really interested in that. And he's going to talk to you and say, were you faithful? See, I know I might be naive, but I believe with all my heart that everything isn't over. And I don't believe our rescuer is a president or a senator or a government. I believe Jesus is our hope. And I believe that if Christians of this world were to behave what they believe, everything would change. And it's not about claiming to be a part of a good church. It's about playing your part. So I think the gap between this is courage. I think the gap between this is where you and I be like, oh, I need to do certain things, but I don't know if I'm brave enough. So that's what I wanna pray for you about. As we close this series up and we're like, all right, what do we do? We need to own courage and we need it from God. So, so would you bow your heads and, and close your eyes and I simply want to pray that you will be filled with courage to do whatever God wants you to do. God, I, I thank you for the privilege you've given us to have beating hearts today. The privilege you've given us to be able to meet like this and, and, and to talk about you. God, I pray right now for, for everyone who is listening, the fellas at RCMU, East, West, folks online. God, I pray that every one of us, that you will fill us with the courage 
to do whatever you want done. God, thank you for not abandoning us when we mess up and don't do things and do things we shouldn't do. But God, I pray for my friends that I love so much. God, give us the courage we need to do what must be done so that the world will know who you are. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.